welcome back. We're one week away from the release of Disney's Encanto, our excitement is building, and we want to hear all about the latest movie from Walt Disney Animation Studios. We know you do too, so today we're talking to director and co-writer Jared Bush and the heads of animation, Renato Dos Anjos and Carola Tamaki. Encanto takes place in the mountains of Colombia and is about the Madrigal family who lives in a magical house. There, every child has a gift, from super strength to the power to heal, except our lead, Mirabelle. When Mirabelle discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is in danger, she decides that she might just be her exceptional family's last hope. From the story to the stunning look of this movie, to the music that has me dancing in my seat, this story gives such a powerful insight into the dynamics of the family and the connection we yearn for, all the while encouraging self-acceptance. Let's never forget, insiders. Even if you might feel ordinary, you are always capable of the extraordinary. We have Mirabelle to thank for that. Okay, insiders, let's get right to it and welcome director and co-writer Jared Bush to the podcast. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am very excited to be here. So happy to have you here. Okay, so you've been with Walt Disney Animation Studios for a bit. Talk to us about your past work with the studio. Uh, yeah, I've been here. I, I, last month was my 10-year anniversary here, which is kind of crazy. <gasps> Congratulations! My, uh, <laughs> yes, it's a big deal. I, uh, I I started in 2011. My contract was for eight weeks, and I I oh. haven't left. <laughs> so uh, it's been a crazy journey. I began. Uh, I was super super lucky uh, to start uh, with Byron Howard on Zootopia. He hired me as a writer on Zootopia, which was my dream job. Um, you know, coming in and mm. and uh, writing about. Um, a, you know, a crazy animal city, uh, but then also with a deeper message, and and uh, he and I really, really hit it off, and so that for me was a really, really amazing experience. Um, obviously, my first one at Disney Animation. From there, um, I went on to uh, write Moana, uh, mm. which was very different but fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and then it was a musical. I love music so much. Um, and uh, Growing up, I was a musician. Uh, and obviously, I got to work with Lin-Manuel Miranda awesome. on Moana. And I realized, by the way, that was when I started working, uh, I don't think Hamilton had come out or was just about to. Oh, and wow. the only thing I heard was like, there's a guy doing a hip-hop musical about the Founding Fathers. And I was like, <laughs> all right, whatever that is, sure. And then I saw it and I was like, oh my God. Uh, so, so yeah, then I went to work on that. And I think the really great thing about Disney Animation is um, uh, everyone kind of gets to work on everything here. Uh, we're a really collaborative group. And so uh, as directors and writers and members of the studio come to help our projects, we do the same on other projects. So the last 10 years has been a really fun journey. That's so cool. And it's insane to think that it started just with eight weeks that you thought you were going to be there <laughs> and then here we are oh yes. my goodness wow can I ask though just within those 10 years did you ever have like a moment or a favorite memory that like you kind of reflect back on that kind of sums up or doesn't even have necessarily have to sum up but like that you reflect on for the last 10 years uh I mean there's there's hundreds um I'd say early on early on uh, Byron Howard said something to me that really stuck um, you know, our movies take about five years to make. Mm. Um, and he was saying, so, so given that and, 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 and how old we are, there's only a certain amount of movies that, that you can put out into the world. Um, so every one of them has to be important and you have an opportunity to say something. Uh, what are you going to say? And that really changed something in my mind from just 
trying to tell a fun story to, okay, yeah, you have this really unbelievable opportunity um, to, to um, say something that's really, really important and meaningful to you. Um, you, be you better figure out what those things are and do the best job you can. It sounds like you really delivered on that. I mean, I am a huge fan of all of your work, love Zootopia, so that's Thank really, you. really cool um, to be talking now about your next film. So from your 10-year milestone to this milestone on Encanto, did you realize that this film was going to be the 60th feature film from the studio. How insane is that? <laughs> and how did you hear about it? How did it come about? Uh, uh, honestly, it breaks my brain. Uh, uh, <laughs> si uh, like the 60th, that's crazy. I mean, obviously, we all grew up on Disney movies, and our parents grew <laughs> up on Disney movies. And so the idea that, that Encanto is, is our 60th is unbelievable. Um, I'd say that... I, I think I did. I think I did well in teaming up with Byron Howard because Tangled mm. was the fiftieth, um, mm, and so nice. I think he just hits those marks. And so I guess we got to hang out to the seventieth, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that'll be our last one. But I will say, um, it is a, a. It's unbelievably humbling. I mean, the the amount of incredible work that's been done over the last, I think it's ninety eight years, wow. uh, of movies at Disney Animation is honestly staggering. Um, and I think that one of the amazing things here is that with every movie, this entire place, we, we, we make the movies under this one roof, mm -hmm. hundreds of people working tirelessly. Everyone wants to both continue the traditions of Disney animation that everyone uh, has fallen in love with, at the same time, push the boundaries and surprise people moving forward. So it's, it's really, really exciting. <laughs> Okay, so take us back a little bit. Since you said it takes about five years for a film to yes. hit the screen. So where did the idea for Encanto start? Okay, so um, it actually began um, before Zootopia even hit theaters. Wow. Um, uh, so Byron and I, we are lifelong musicians. Um, in the middle of Zootopia, we said, we got to work on something else together, and it's got to be a musical. We are both trombone players, which is the awesome. most noble of instruments. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we're like, we, gotta, we, we have to do a musical next. Um, and so as Zootopia was wrapping up, um, and I was also working uh, with Lin-Manuel, um, the three of us kind of said, we should all do something together. And so the first step was, what do we want to say? You know, kind of like I was saying before, like, what, what should the movie be about? It's really important to find a personal connection. And the one thing that all three of us had uh, were, were crazy extended families. And we realized that we've, we've never really tried to tackle a story like that. A lot of the times, mm. uh, even if you have a large family, typically it's a, it's a quest or a road movie where you might meet the family you know, briefly in the beginning of the movie and then the character heads off on a journey. And we said, well... We think it's really cool to spend time with our families, and we want to put that on screen. Um, and so the, the first question was really, what do we want to say about extended families that hasn't been said before, uh, an approach that, that we haven't taken before? And we realized, uh, as honestly, our, our first bit of research was looking at our own families and realizing we actually don't know them as well as we think we do. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't know us as well uh, as, as they think they do. And that became really exciting and important. And so um, as we dove in, this notion of how well do we know our families and perspective, 
mm-hmm. became really this this uh, this unifying theme uh, that was the kernel of the whole story. Wow, so powerful, and it really does. I was I've been fortunate enough to see it, and it's it really hits home on all that. Just like you're saying, like the family, the family piece of it. I it made me chuckle a little bit because I thought about how I went back to Zootopia and I was like, wow, Judy Hopps and exploring her family at the beginning of the movie. That would have been like a probably two week movie or something like that if you explored all of her family. It would still be going right now. I think you, I think you're right about that. It's a lot of buddies. <laughs> but you seem to have picked the perfect, the perfect family. Clearly, with Mirabel as the lead character. Talk to us about the actual location, though, of Colombia. How did you choose to set the story there? Um, it, it's Colombia was a place that um, some friends of ours, um, Juan Rindon and Natalie Ozma, who were part of a documentary crew that followed us on Zootopia, mm. um, they are from Colombia and they talked to us about Colombia a lot. And mm. as we started thinking about where do we want to set our story? Lynn really wanted to to um, set it in a place uh, um, where he could bring in uh, Latin music to the entire movie. So really wanted to have the feeling uh, of Latin America throughout. And so we said, okay, great. That It's an enormous place. How do we narrow it down? And talking to Juan and Natalie, as we had for years, um, Colombia is this amazing crossroads of Latin America. And so thinking mm-hmm. about perspectives and, uh, and different styles of music and cultures and ethnicities, uh, not to mention the unbelievable biodiversity, um, uh, Colombia felt like this place where we could see a lot of Latin America, but in a place where it felt organic and real. And it was a natural place where a lot of these things would, would intermingle. And so early on, I think it was maybe six months into our, our process, we really started to focus on Colombia. And the more and more that we learned about it, um, the more we fell in love with it. Um, and then on top of that, uh, just being able to spend time with, with uh, friends and family, um, and then ultimately going on a research trip down there um, was uh, a life-changing moment for all of us, I think. Um, and so I, I'm, I am, so excited for uh, for people to get to see uh, uh, the Columbia that, that that we saw when we were down there, um, and uh, and really become immersed in it. Okay, Jared. So no spoilers about the movie, but give us all the spoilers about that research trip. I want to know it all. I've seen some footage from that. You guys yeah. look like you're having fun. Lin Manuel Miranda's <laughs> popping out of a window somewhere. Like, give us give us uh, some of the insight. What were your favorite sights okay. about the trip? Give us all the stories. <laughs> I mean, all right. First off, you have to understand that that you, uh, a, a songwriter never gets to go on research trips at the beginning. Never, <laughs> never. Good to know. And so, ever. <laughs> but but um, because Lynn was part of this movie from literally day one, mm. um, we knew that that he had to go on this trip with us. The best part uh, is that he didn't just go by himself. He brought his dad. Um, and if you've ever met Luis Miranda, uh, that that's its own little research trip. Uh, <laughs> on uh, just just those two together was amazing. So telling a story about family where we're with uh, we're with Lin Manuel and his dad was was priceless. Um, so I'd say that that alone highlight um, the trip itself was phenomenal. Um, we we spent um, two weeks down there. Um, the great thing about research trips um, for Disney Animation is 
you're not really hitting tourist spots or, or places that, that everyone might expect. You know, it's really spending time uh, with people and with families and getting off the beaten path. Um, and the thing we wanted to feel the most, we, we heard that in Colombia, magic runs in the streets. That's people, mm. everyone said that to us. And we wanted to know what that felt like. And so our trip really was to go down there and find that feeling. And it, it uh, truly was everywhere. Um, I'd say some of the highlights, um, uh, you mentioned Lynn popping out of a little window and saying, Colombia! <laughs> that was in a town called Barichata, which is this really small town that feels like it's lost in time, which is exactly how we wanted the town in Encanto to feel. So that was one of the most special places that we visited. There was this right next to us um, where we were staying. Uh, we had an amazing guide, uh, Alejandra Espinosa, and she said, we said to her like, we're looking for magic. She goes, oh, I have like a magic secret forest in my backyard. And we said, what? that sounds exciting. <laughs> let's go, let's go see it. And we went in and it was the most, you, you, it's the second you walked in, there was this incredible feeling. Uh, the, the, the woman who was running the, the hotel we stayed at said, oh yeah, I was walking through one night and I came across um, you know, this, this magic pool of water in there and there was a snake who was guarding it to make sure that it stayed Whoa. pure for the town. And, and the stories weren't, um, it, it, it was like hearing like an everyday story. It wasn't like this most fantastical thing happened. It was <laughs> like going the most to the grocery normal store. thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so at like, to, I think for all of us, it really changed how we were thinking. I mean, Colombia mm. is, is uh, the home of magical realism and mm. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And we, when we went down there, it felt like that. Um, so Barichada definitely, we went to a town called Palenque, which is a couple hours outside of Cartagena, which is um, the first free town in all of the Americas. It really, it, it's, a, it's an African town in Colombia, mm. and it really feels like that. And knowing mm. that in our story, we wanted to have characters who were Afro-Colombian. We wanted to, to experience that while we were down there. Um, and I would say the trip to Palenque uh, was incredibly eye-opening and, and a very, very special experience. Um, but I mean, literally everywhere we went was incredible. So it's, it's kind of hard to narrow it down. Okay, so you've been talking to us about Colombia. I've got to tell you that I've been sold on this. I want to go, you have to tell me, what would be some of your recommendations to someone who wants to visit Colombia? Uh, first off, you need several months, I think, to actually try to get any of it in. Um, uh, <laughs> Colombia is, uh, you know, they say it's it's kind of like several countries in one. It's it's like a third the size of the United States, so it's massive, um, and it has everything from like the high Andes to rolling plains to the Choco rainforest, the Amazon, everything in between. Um, I'd say it's it's really hard to narrow it down. Places that I loved when we were there, hundred percent visit the Kokora Valley. That is mm -hmm. something that really, I think for us, inspired the location of where the Madrigal House uh, is set. Um, mm -hmm. It's this, it's in the Andes, these unbelievable rolling hills with these, these 200 foot tall wax palms that they don't actually look real. I think we, we try to take pictures of them, but without a, a human standing next to them, you can't really get a sense of the crazy scale of these things. We actually, we had Byron, run, one of them was actually, that had fallen a long time ago, was down. We had Byron run the length of it. There's a video somewhere of him <laughs> trying to do that. It I didn't end well for him. <laughs> yeah, because it's also at altitude. The other great thing about it is that it, it to get there, you you take these, these crazy Jeeps called Jeep wheelies, 
and you ride up into the mountains to get there. And uh, and we were literally standing up in the back of these jeeps. Uh, I don't know how fast we were going, but it was one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite experiences ever. So definitely Kokora Valley. It looks like it's art directed. It's bonkers. So definitely go there. Um, we had an amazing time in in Cartagena. Uh, it's just really really phenomenal music. You really get that coastal vibe down there. That's where a character like like uh, Felix, you know, he's really Castaño, and we really mm. wanted to bring that personality into the movie. So I'd say definitely Cartagena. Uh, but honestly, it's the it's the tiny little out of the way places. Um, mm. You know, places like like I mentioned, Barichada, which is this town that feels lost in time that probably looks the same now as it did 50 years ago and 200 years ago. Mm. Um, and we had one of the most, I think, incredible nights of our trip there. Uh, as the sun was setting, a trio uh, uh, of a guitar and two tea plays, which is a type of uh, 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 guitar as well, stringed instrument, that's really specific to the Andean region. Um, wow. And they played for us into the night. It was one of the, the most special things that happened on the trip. Um, I, I, honestly, it's, it's like impossible to narrow it down because every place we went to blew us away and we only got to see like this tiny little fraction uh, when we were there. So um, I'd say whatever you can do to get off the beaten path and to hang out with the people of Colombia, they're the most open-hearted, wonderful, um, uh, gracious, welcoming people you will ever meet in your life. Uh, mm -hmm. I cannot wait to go back. All I have to say is sign me up for that. And I also, you mentioned trio. I want to see Jared, Byron, yeah. and Lynn's version of that trio recreated after the trip, like the guitar. <laughs> sure, we can we can do that. I will say there's that we do have video somewhere of Byron and I taking a dance lesson, just the two of us, and it's uh, as as amazing as you can probably imagine in your heads right now. It's pretty special. <laughs> awesome! Wow, that is so fantastic. I mean, every single thing that you said, I. You're inspiring so many people to experience this. It's so, so cool. And thank you again for bringing this location to us on the screen in the story of Encanto. Um, I love it. I love it so much. The Madrigal family I fell in love with. That's every single person in there. I love that. The house itself is one of my favorite things. What would be a moment or anything that you would, you would say is your favorite part of the film? Oh gosh! <laughs> you but know, no spoilers. Just, uh, no spoilers. Of course, <laughs> of course. Well, I'll say this: I was sent the final soundtrack, so all of the songs, all of the score. <gasps> oh, I love it. There are so many unbelievable musical moments in this movie. Um, I have to hand it to Lin Manuel Miranda for it. just bonkers great songs. All of them are standouts. Jermaine Franco, her score is. Uh, the most gorgeous score I've ever heard. So there's moments in the movie where those things come together to create, honestly, something where I I I cry every time I hear it, and I've seen these mm. things like hundreds of times. I should be numb to them by now, but I'm not. Mm. Uh, so I'd say, um, uh, yeah, without giving spoilers, I'd say I think everyone will know the moment. <laughs> uh, when you get there, everyone will know that moment. I think for sure that is my my favorite. It's towards the end of the movie, 
um, and um, uh, it's uh, a moment between Mirabel and Abuela Alma, and um, and that is a moment I love. A, a very tiny moment at the beginning mm -hmm. of the movie that that I also love. That's so tiny, and this goes to like how great it is to work with with unbelievable animators and and uh, our technical animation. They're the ones that make the cloth and the hair move. Um, we also had amazing choreographers. The opening song, the choreography that goes along with that is also one of my favorite things. Mm. Mirabel has so much personality, what Stephanie was able to do with her. There's, there's a moment right before Mirabel introduces her, her dad and her uncle where she's sort of dancing and just, it seems like she's kind of dancing to amuse herself. And that's all, <laughs> it's, like, it's like two seconds on screen, but it's literally one of my favorite things. I'll look out for that for sure. I love that, that's so fun. It's just like one of her isms, right? It's just a reflection exactly. of her personality. Yeah, she's like, I look good dancing. That's what, and I think that's what she's thinking in that moment. Uh, and that's not something that we asked anybody to do. Like the animators went in there like, this is going to be great. And it, it's so Mirabel. It's awesome. I love it. I love that. That's so cool. Discovery in the process of creating it. So, so cool. Exactly. Um, that's yes. awesome. I really think that people should wear their dancing shoes when they go to this movie because it's true. The music is fabulous throughout. And you're just, you're just so into the story all at the same time. So cool. Well, you mentioned a special moment. It's, I have to, I'd be remiss to not mention most of the characters have a special gift. What would you yes. say is your special gift? Oh, wow. Um, I'd say uh, if, you, <laughs> if you asked my three sons, uh, they would probably <laughs> say my and special gift in quotes would be the ability to to tell them horrible dad jokes at all times <laughs> with no shame. I think that might be, I don't know, if, I don't know if they'd consider it a gift, I guess, as much, but that I'd say, um, I, don't, I don't mind firing those things at them nonstop um, and, uh, and, and I'm relentless with those. So I'd say, I'd say, let's go with that. <laughs> you gotta no tell shame. them though. I love that it's no shame, but it's all a part of your creative process. Like you're a creative, so That's it's right. a part of like I'm doing work, guys. You're doing <laughs> yeah. work. You're doing the work. <laughs> okay, for the characters in the film, what would mm. you say is a special gift that you'd want from one of their gifts? Uh, I mean, you know, I think every member of the family has a gift that we wanted to kind of push into like family archetypes, you know? And so, mm -hmm. so every member of the family has something that feels like hopefully something people can relate to. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, it's, it's tempting to say Antonio, he's, he, can, <gasps> he can communicate with animals, which is one of my favorite things ever. But, uh, but to, be, to be honest, um, I'm gonna have to go Isabella. Isabella mm. can like make flowers grow in her footsteps and <laughs> uh, I, I'd like I, that sounds fabulous. I think that I would love to have the ability to just make flowers everywhere I go. I'd smell great constantly. That would be really <laughs> good. I could I could grow my own herbs. I mean, Ooh, I think I'd nice. say it's hard to beat Isabella for sure. <laughs> That's amazing. I love the reasoning as well. And you mentioned Antonio. Oh my gosh, he stole my heart. He's just yeah. a fabulous character. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you've touched on so many things, so many amazing elements of this movie, from the research to the family itself and the reasoning behind that. What would you say are the messages that you want fans to walk away with after they've seen this film? Um, you know, I, th I think that all of us that went on this journey um, got to know our families much better. 
um, mm. over the course of, of trying to figure out the story. Um, so I, I think that th something I'd love for people to, to think about is, is the fact that, that we don't know our families as well as we think we do, uh, and they don't see us uh, sometimes. And, and, and so I, I would hope and, and I would love for people to want to, to talk to their families afterwards and ask questions and maybe understand that, that what we present and what, and what is presented to us is, is rarely the full story. Um, mm -hmm. I think so many of us um, uh, present one side of ourselves um, and we all kind of take it for granted that that's real. And there's so much more going on below the surface. Um, uh, so I think that's a huge one. And, and that goes for families, that goes for our friends, that goes for our communities. Uh, a, lo a lot of, I think, I think it's kind of human nature. Um, so that's a huge one. And then for Mirabelle, who's a character that, that I love and is very close to my heart, um, you know, she is somebody who, in this family of extraordinary people, has all of these self-doubts. You know, she's seemingly the least extraordinary member of her family. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of us kind of feel like that in life, that, that everyone around you has it figured out. And, you know, I know mm -hmm. in my job, I'm surrounded by superstars, you know, mm -hmm. they're the most incredible artists in the business. Um, and I feel, um, you know, like, uh, like an imposter all the time. And, um, and so I think the other part of the story, and you really see it through Mirabelle's um, journey, is that that we all have value uh, and sometimes it's hard to see that sometimes it's near impossible to see that um mm -hmm. but uh but it's there and um and i think that more often than not the people around us that look like they're doing so well are struggling with the same things that's so powerful and so moving and it, i really got that from the film as well and i'm so excited for more and more people to experience that themselves Jared, I can't tell you enough how much it was a pleasure to talk to you today about this film Encanto, to hear about your personal milestone. Congratulations again on 10 years with the studio and then <laughs> Thank you. releasing Thank you. the 60th feature film. This is massive, Unreal. exciting. Congratulations on that. Thank you again for sharing the story with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. Next to talk to us about their work on Encanto are the heads of animation, Renato Dos Anjos and Kira Letomaki. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both for being here. Let me just say I'm a huge, huge fan of the film. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I want to talk about your work, though, with the studio overall. Uh, funny enough, uh, Kira and I started pretty much together on Bolt. So that's when we joined the studio. It was 2007. I joined the studio uh, to work on the film, and I got to uh, work with uh, another animator, uh, Wayne Newton, uh, on the, on both, uh, on the main character. So that was my first assignment at the studio. And, you know, worked on most of our films. I skipped a couple, but I got to work on Tango, the, uh, the first Ralph, the second Ralph, Zootopia, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Frozen, you know, Frozen 2, um, Moana, worked on Moana. I think, uh, and then and then uh, our film right now, you know. So that's been an amazing journey. Uh, been loving every every one of our films. You know, they always have something special, and and they're always so much hard work, but they they always mean so much to me. So I'm loving the place, and I'm having a blast. It sounds like you've been busy there, Renato. Kira, let's hear about your work. Um, so I started, like Renato said, uh, in 2007. Uh, he was my supervisor. I was a trainee. I came in and through the talent development program at Disney, which 
is one of the most magical programs you can ever go through. You get mentors when you come in. And so I had literally the people that shaped my childhood as my mentors when I came in, like Eric Goldberg, Andreas Deja, Mark Henn, you know, wow, really, really amazing, amazing Disney legends. Um, and I got to stay on after Bolt. I worked as a, an additional and fixed animator, and then I got promoted to be a full-fledged animator on Tangled. So that was my very first film as a credited Disney animator. And then um, similar to Renato, I've worked on most of the films uh, since the CG films since then. Um, I skipped Big Hero 6, but I think uh, most of all the other ones I've worked on. So. <laughs> That's actually really cool, though, how you're – journeys have been interwoven a little bit, especially like learning about the animation, like you being an animation trainee, that's really cool to hear like about the mentorship that you feel like you've had over the years. That's super, super cool. Well, clearly all those films, all those experiences led to Encanto. So tell us about your role on Encanto. Uh, yeah, so Encanto is a movie that I really wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. I, I I, would have done anything to work on the film, you know. I, uh, what the studio does, uh, they have almost like a casting call, you know, like the directors, they, they put out a note saying, hey, we're looking for heads of animation for this film. Every movie is like that, oh, wow. you know. So our default home, Kira, myself, you know, the supervisor and heads, our default home is an animator, right? So we're, we're, our, we're always animators unless we get promoted to a role in the film. So Kira, myself, and, you know, a bunch of other folks applied to to be a head of animation on Encanto, you know, really wanted to do that. So uh, I am from, I'm not from Colombia, but I'm from South America and I've never really worked on a movie that portrayed my side of the world. So it was something that I was really, really wanted to be part of that. So, and so I applied for it, you know, I, I worked with Byron before, you know, uh, actually on Bolt, he was, he was uh, in the interview when I got hired uh, to work on Bolt, and I worked with Jared as well on Zootopia. So I kind of we here and I knew them from before. So uh, and I, I was really desperate to kind of be part of this <laughs> film. You know, it would mean it meant a lot to me to be part of this journey and and uh, working with Kira as well. We worked together for so many years, and we got to do the same role on on uh, Ralph breaks the internet. So I was looking forward to that. So the movie's coming out obviously 2021, but how long ago do you did you hear about it, and then? What is that information initially that you get? Like, is it just kind of a few beats, a few different things about the storyline? Like, how do you know I need to be a part of this? Uh, I got, uh, you know, the directors, they do this thing. Uh, once in a while, they have like a little bit of an open house at the studio where they talk about each, you know, each director tells the studio what they're working on so people can get excited about the projects and start figuring out like where they want to go and which project they want to put more uh, their name in if they're if they're if they have any aspiration to do something more than just being an, uh, an artist on the film so uh that was around maybe three and a half years ago mm. or so uh kira has a much uh, better uh, mind for like time and everything uh than i do um i'm the emotional person and she's <laughs> behind everything so that's why you work well together though it sounds like the yeah. perfect perfect blend of the two different kinds of creative minds which is really cool so kira can you help fill in for us then how did you hear about Encanto? and then also describe to us the role as a head of animation i mean as soon as Zootopia wrapped, I think both Byron and Jared kind of jumped on mm. to Encanto and kind of started dreaming up these ideas. And I, I don't, I, I feel like we heard like little tidbits of it, but they did a presentation for the studio, I think while we were on Frozen 2. 
And they had gone on their uh, research trip to Colombia mm-hmm. and they had brought back all of this inspiration. And they, uh, so they knew it was going to be a musical. They had Lin-Manuel Miranda involved. He went on the research trip with them. Um, so they had a, like quite a bit of development done. And so they did this big presentation for the studio. And that was the moment that I was like, wow, I've got to mm-hmm. be a part of this. They, they had, you know, so much heart and mystery and the musical aspect was really, uh, really key for me as well. So um, that was the time that, that I think that the studio as a whole kind of got to really understand what they were going for at that point. So, and then, you know, a, a few months later, then they open up to like, hey, who wants to be on this movie? <laughs> and so we all clamored to uh, be a part of it. And thankfully, Renato and I both got to do that. It's really cool to hear like the behind the scenes process of that because, you know, like for us as like fans, we hear the movie coming out and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Any bit of information, but it's really cool to hear your aspect of it. How would you break it down for someone who doesn't know what a head of animation is? Like what would be the simplest form of explaining what your role is day to day on the film? So the head of animation uh, basically oversees the style of movement throughout all the characters on the whole film. So, um, you know, we, as animators, we like to think of ourselves as actors. We provide the physical movement that is paired with the vocal performance of the voice actors. And, um, you know, we have a team on this movie in particular, we had a team of a hundred, over a hundred animators. Wow. And all of those animators will animate Mirabelle, our main character. And we need to make sure that that looks like, it was done by a single person or actually correct that it, that it's done by no people that Mirabelle is real <laughs> and she's uh, she's totally real and there's nobody behind the curtain uh, animating her so um, but it is it is really kind of figuring out what the style of animation is going to be uh, not only pairing kind of the cultural aspects uh, from Colombia but just sort of kind of our our Disney juice, <laughs> for lack of a better term, of like, uh, you know, all the 12 principles of animation that Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston talked about in The Illusion of Life, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of building on, on that legacy and figuring out, you know, what kind of style of poses we want, um, or do we want it to be a zippy movement or snappy movement or really subtle, realistic movement. And so it was all of those choices kind of combined together to figure out who these characters are and how they're going to move. Uh, We were in the movie, we worked on the film for about two and a half years, I'd say, right? And the first year and a half portion of that or more than that, uh, it's a lot of preparation, you know, we, st- we, we do a lot of tests, uh, just to inform ourselves, try to see what, 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 are what is that that we're seeing that's genuine with the directors, you know, what are they looking for for each specific character? Mm-hmm. So we spent about a good year and a half plus just testing and trying to build the road for the department when they come in. And so they can just, uh, uh animate the characters, you know, the film in the film. So it's about. A lot of like, you know, like I said, uh, testing and also kind of trying to figure out like how many people you're going to need to make the film, how many, you know, how many weeks do you need to make the film, you know, uh, what kind of 
what kind of production, what kind of schedule we're going to have to make the film under. Uh, and we also have supervisors working with Karen and I, you know, uh, we had uh, six of them, you know, and each one of them is assigned to two different characters, uh, like our main character, uh, Mirabel, she was assigned to one of our supervisors, Kelly McCallaghan, and her responsibility was to oversee Mirabel from beginning to end. And so, as well as kind of getting the characters ready for production, uh, Kira and I were also training the team, you know, getting the team ready for for production uh, to make sure that everybody kind of understands what, you know, what we feel like the directors are looking for for each specific character. It's just mind blowing to know that there's one character, but 100 people behind that character. But it's so seamless. Obviously, music is integral to the film. Is there a different process? Is there a different kind of challenge? As you're mentioning, movement is so important to the creation of a character. Is there a different approach that you have to take? Because now the character's doing, obviously, outside of the normal movement of day to day. Is it different? Yes. Animating to musicals is one of my joys, but it's also probably one of the most difficult things in animation to do. Because not only do you, you know, like we, we are trying to provide like sort of the acting performance, but now you have to make sure that that performance is, is going to sort of the musical beat. So you have to make that acting performance fit the musicality of the moment. And uh, whenever uh, characters sing, the, you know, we do, we work a lot on lip sync and making the mouth shapes and kind of like the tongue is doing the right thing so that you believe that that sound is actually coming from the throat <laughs> of that character. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when characters sing, it's so much more exaggerated. And a lot of times they open their mouths more. So you do see more into like their throat and you have like the tendons mm -hmm. in their neck. And we have had vocal coaches come in and uh, teach us uh, what the proper technique is to sing, like where, you know, how your throat works, how your tongue, you know, moves to change the different sounds and all of that stuff, how you breathe properly. Um, so we dive into like all that little like minutia detail. And then on this movie, uh, we have like Colombia is the land of a thousand rhythms we learned <laughs> and uh, they have such a rich uh, musical uh, heritage. And obviously, Lynn is tapping into a lot of that stuff uh, for the songs. And so we, even though we uh, like, like to think of ourselves as actors, many of us do not think of ourselves as dancers. And uh, <laughs> dancing in Colombia is just part of of life everyday life you know if you're walking across the kitchen you're you're moving <laughs> uh, in a very musical way that uh, I certainly cannot do uh, so we got to collaborate uh, with an amazing choreographer Jamal Sims as well as our dance consultant Kai Martinez and Kai is actually Colombian herself and uh, she uh, she was so great in partnering with us um, to sort of not like she, in a way, we showed her our work the same way that we were showing the directors. We would show her a blocking pass of animation and she would say, oh, you know, you need to snap up this move. And we found that we actually, dancers and animators, we talk in the same language. Sometimes we talk in sound effects because a sound effect is a much better way to describe a movement than... <laughs> the English language oh, wow. sometimes. And so, uh, you know, she would sort of 
give us the count of like where things needed to happen, but she would describe the movement with, you know, like you need to have this like drawn out and fast and then you're going to, then you're going to pause and, and just have the hand <laughs> drift ever so slightly. And so we found that like, even though she does that uh, physically herself, uh, dancers are really just animators. They're doing it with their own bodies and we're doing it through these characters on our screens. So I had never thought about it like that, that there has to be a different process, a different approach to bringing an animated musical movie to the screen. It's beautiful, stunning, and it really does make you want to dance in your seat. I've said that a few times because I love it so much. <laughs> so there are so many characters in this movie, which you, you fall in love with each and every one of them. The Madrigal family just becomes so close to your heart. Can I ask, is there anything about the Madrigals that reminds you of your own family? For me, there's a lot. You know, I grew up with like a bigger family, you know, had my grandma uh, uh, living with us when I was growing up, my sisters Mm. and my mom and, you know, my dad and my brother and my uncles living there. And then we had two uncles that often come in, three uncles actually, they often come in and with their family. So it was a big kind of like uh, assemble and, and the 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 one thing that really kind of struck home for me uh, is uh, this idea the directors wanted to convey that you know sometimes we don't know uh, everybody's story you know mm-hmm. like we may live together but we may not know exactly what what's going through each one of us so uh, and thinking back to especially me and my sisters you know I. Uh, I'm the middle uh, kid, you know, so I have an older sister and a younger sister. Uh, I love them to death, but I don't, I don't think I've, I give them as much attention to what was going on in their lives, mm. you know, as, as I should have had, you know, because I was in my, living in my own little bubble. And thinking of uh, this movie, you know, uh, was an, you know, the process of making it was uh, an absolutely eye-opener for me to see that, uh, seeing what Mirabelle was going through, you know, the that, you know, she was so... She's so wrapped up in what's going on with her uh, that she can't really see that even her perfect sister isn't really as perfect. You know, she's got stuff going on in there that needs attention, that needs help. She could use somebody to talk to. Uh, That's for me one of the main things that I can relate to, just, you know, kind of living with a big, uh, like with my family, kind of knowing that I missed opportunities to kind of like listen, stop and listen to to my uh, family um, because, you know, just I was so you know, wrapped up in my own head. Uh, I, uh, it gave me opportunities to kind of reach out and uh, kind of see what's going on there, which is great. You know, I think that's what the directors wanted. Mm. I'm not sure if they were expecting that to be coming. They're, they were hoping that was that would, when people see the movie, that's what they were going to get out of that. But I don't know if they're expecting people working with them, making the film, they'll be getting the same kind of response. And that, But for me, that's exactly what happened. So. That's awesome. It sounds like it really became a part of you as well. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And Kira, what would you say? You know what? It's funny because uh, during my interview with the directors uh, to, to be on this movie, um, I remember telling them, you know, I don't know if I'm the right person for this job because this is about, you know, the dynamics of a big family and I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I, and I was sort of feeling like, I don't know if, if I will sort of find that personal connection to this. And the amazing thing is, is that the Madrigals remind me of my own family so much because there is a universality to it. And I see qualities of my parents or myself or my friends, my adoptive family, you know, in each of these characters because they're so real. And uh, so even though uh, 
the, the, the largeness of the family is nothing like my own, uh, they also feel, you know, very close like family as well. I think that's really important to mention, right? Because I myself come from like a big family, but it's important to to note that families can look different and the emotions and the connection can be the same. So I think that that's really cool. And I'm sure, like you said, Kira, it'll resonate with everybody. Whether you have a big family, small family, that's the beauty of the story. So thank you guys for contributing to that. I will also mention that, of course, I love about the Madrigals is that they all have special gifts, which is so cool. Um, what would you say is your special gift? So my superpower, I think, would have to be collecting and saving Disney stuff because I, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit like the Little Mermaid and I save and collect everything <laughs> in my little grotto and I can't seem to let anything go. Uh, I love it all so much. And I recently moved and any one person would be amazed that, that all of these things I have saved over the years and that uh, I put them on display proudly and look at them and they make me smile. I love it. I got the true visual of the Little Mermaid right there as well, too. Very nice. Okay, Renata, what about yours? My special gift. Um, well, as an animator, I think we all... Uh, you know, we all observe people and, 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 and we do that for reference and for inspiration. Like, I think my special gift, I can hold on to things that I see forever. Like if I see somebody that does like a little expression, something <laughs> that's interesting to me or, or that's like cool. a little something that's like a little way of talking, a little lip shape. I can't hold on for that forever. Like I still have stuff in my mind from like when I was a kid that I think, okay, one day I'm going to use this, you know, it's stored in there somewhere. I've got a huge library of like people that I've seen inside my head doing little things. So I don't know. That's my Basically, <laughs> Renato is always watching. <laughs> I am always watching. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to hear more about you guys and your Disney fandom. Kira, you started mentioning this, so I want to learn a little bit more about both of you guys. Are you ready to take on the Insider Five with us today? Yes. <laughs> I am not. I'm going to fail miserably, so be aware of that. Everybody, everybody wins here, Renato. Everybody, this is for everybody. <laughs> okay, let's begin with, what is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Uh, I was three years old in the theater seeing Pinocchio. It was my very first movie ever. Um, mm. And then shortly thereafter, I saw Sleeping Beauty and I decided that I wanted to be a quote unquote drawer for Disney. I didn't know the word for animator. So I literally have my dream job. This is something I've wanted to do since I was even before kindergarten. <laughs> That's awesome. I love Sleeping Beauty too. I can totally relate with that. Okay, Renato, what is your earliest memory? Okay. My earliest memory. This one struck with me because you know it, it is still with me, like as a as a as a reminder, like I need to be a good person, right? Uh, I th I don't know if that was the first movie I've seen, but Pinocchio is one of my favorite films, if not my favorite Disney film. But after seeing Pinocchio, my mom turned to me and said, "You know what? If you don't behave and be a good boy, you're gonna turn into a donkey." So <laughs> I knew as a kid, if I didn't behave, I'll turn into a donkey, and that scared me so much. It still, you know, makes me keeps me on track. 
lessons in every possible way that you can take away from the film. I love it. <laughs> and I like how you remember that too. <laughs> Next up, what inspired you to want to work in animation? Well, I think I already mentioned this, uh, Sleeping Beauty. It was seeing the scene of Briar Rose uh, dancing and singing in the forest with the animals uh, that did it for me. Uh, there was something so magical about Mark Davis's designs and animation in that sequence. Um, I knew I wanted to be a part of all of this. <laughs> for me, it kind of happened to me, you know, to be honest, like, it's not that I, you know, for me, it was such an, an, an unachievable thing growing up in Brazil and, you know, just working, uh, you know, in animation just felt like something that would never happen. So I was really inspiring to be a comic book artist and uh, when I was a kid and then, uh, uh, odds had it, you know, and I was very lucky that a family friend uh, uh, ended up working with animation and he took me under his wing as a very young kid, you know, and helped me uh, kind of get to where I got. So I owe him a lot, you know, like I've never really would have considered that as a career if it wasn't for him because it was just impossible, you know, from, from my standing. So never really was a, uh, I loved animation, you know, I always loved animation, but never even crossed my mind that that would be a thing that would be in my future because it's so far from reach. And we're talking about the 60th feature film with you guys today. That's like dreams do come true, I'd have to say right there. <laughs> Next up, it's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Part of your world. Kira, part of your world. No hesitation there. Nope. <laughs> okay, Renato. Um, don't kill me, please. Uh, slaughter race. <laughs> Is that, it is Slaughter Race, right? No. A place called Slaughter Race. It's from Ralph Breaks the Internet, too. If you could only ride one ride all day to Disney Park, which would it be? Space Mountain. Very adventurous there, Kira. All day, Kira's on that <laughs> ride. All day. All day, all day. Renata, what are you envisioning yourself on all day? Uh, Everest. Expedition Everest nice. at Animal Kingdom? Expedition, yeah. Wow, yeah. you guys are both just like Space Mountain, Expedition Everest. I, I gotta say the Avatar attraction is pretty cool as well, but Space Mountain was my favorite since I was four. So I gotta, I gotta stick with tradition. <laughs> you guys, wow. I wanna see a video of you guys doing this now. You guys have to prove it to me. I'm so, <laughs> you guys are both so adventurous. I love it. To close us out of the Insider Five, here's our last question. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? It's gotta be Jiminy Cricket, right? Let your conscience be your guide. Hmm, <laughs> a classic. I love that. Uh, Mirabelle's journey for me, it's a great message, you know, a message of kind of uh, being able to see uh, that there's more uh, to everybody's uh, life than what you see in the surface, you know? Um, and uh, even if you think somebody may be perfect, they may be, you know, just give them room so they can talk about uh, their lives and, you know, kind of be sincere with you and. I give them the space so you can learn about them. You know? uh, I guess the message of understanding and seeing each other uh, is the one that resonates with me in this film. Renato, that did it. You brought us home right there, very strong. You delivered to us an amazing message about Mirabelle, which is the new character in Encanto that everyone is so excited to go out and see. It's a beautiful film. Thank you both so much for your creativity, for your stories and bringing it to life. Um, I can't wait for more people to see it. So thank you both for the time today, sharing your stories and then taking on the Insider Five with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's our show. See Disney's Encanto in theaters on November 24th. 
so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love if you gave us a rating and review. Lastly, visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code CAPYBERRA. The code expires November 30th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, insiders, with more Disney movie magic.